are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store and find one of our Locked On rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me on Twitter at Kuka Hill MBA. You can find me also on YouTube at Coos Ballroom. I'll have a video coming out this weekend. You can also find me over at Detroit Bad Boys, find articles about the Pistons. And like I tell you guys at the beginning of every podcast, I was a credential media member for the 2019-2020 season, so that kind of makes me a big deal. Um, today, I have a special guest with me. Hal is back. He was here a couple weeks Two ago. Two times. There you go. The first person. <laughs> First person here to be on here twice so far. So Al's going to be a reoccurring guest. I've told you guys that last time with because he knows a lot about the draft stuff. So we'll be having him on here. So, of course, the reason one of the main reasons why Hal's on here today is because we're going to be talking to him about my selection in the Lockdown Network mock draft. So in this mock draft, the Pistons fell the fourth, uh, to the fourth pick. And we won't reveal who I picked yet. Uh, we will when we start talking about it. But Outside of that, we're also going to be doing the Kool-Aid segment. We'll answer all those submissions you guys had for me later on the uh, podcast. And then also we'll talk about some of the, something that I talked about a few weeks or last week about with if the Piston fan should, is it time for them to move on from past draft failures? And do you, do you get why? I'm going to ask Hal, do you get why Piston fans are still like upset about it and still hold on to it? Or do you think it's time for them just to get over it or, or shove about it, et cetera? So, We'll get into all that as we go on with the podcast. But like I said, first up, we're going to talk about who I drafted in this Locked On Networks mock draft. So like I said, the Pistons fell to the fourth here. And if you guys are aware, in the last few podcasts, I've done the lottery simulator. The Pistons have fallen to sixth each time I do it. So it's not as bad as sixth. Uh, they obviously have better luck than I do. But So the way the picks went, OKC ended up with the first pick, and they took Cade Cunningham. Then the next pick was made by wait the pacers how did the pacers end up with the second pick i don't know that's how a that lottery record. for you man i didn't even notice that the pacers jumped <laughs> up to, to second i did not notice that but yeah i guess the pacers jumped up the second they took jalen suggs then the houston got the third pick they took evan mobley so then at the fourth pick i took jalen green so hal before we get in depth and start, i start asking about his strengths and weaknesses whatever just give give like a broad just a real quick like description of who Jalen Green is and and what you've seen from him, just like what you know about him on the surface, not anything in depth, just what you know about him off top. So he's he's a shooting guard, kind of a prototypical like top of the lottery shooting guard. Uh 6'5, decent wingspan, uh maybe 185 at this point. We haven't had a recent measure. Well, it'll be interesting to see his measurements at the combine. Um good shooter ridiculous athlete um went to the g league ignite so a lot of people didn't get to watch him in college uh that's that's kind of the short list all right so the thing is earlier when i recorded the the my draft video for the little 60 second draft video for locked on 
I saw like three different heights for him. I saw six five, six six, and six seven, like across the board. Do we know for sure if he's six five or is that is that just no. what you're where are you getting six five from? So they list him at six six, and I always just subtract one because you know everyone adds an inch. Uh, and for me, I always list guys by uh, like the stocking feet height. I never list guys in shoes. Shoes can change, your feet don't. So, um, and obviously, you and I don't list our height in shoes. So. It just doesn't make sense to me. So, yeah, I I usually look at a listed height and subtract one to get closer to their real height. And also, when you're talking about draft guys, we always talk about wingspan. And if you list a guy with his shoes on plus an inch, it makes the wingspan seem less impressive, right? If you're 6'5 and you have a 6'8 wingspan, that's plus three. But if you're actually 6'4, that's a plus four wingspan. That's a better wingspan relative to your height, even if, you know, maybe you're shorter. Um so just something to think about, personal preference. Okay. All right, I, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wait. I, I want to see what they they put his height as at the combine because I saw like three different places throwing his height all over the place, and I hate that. I, it gets my nerves so much. <laughs> where they, I don't understand how you can go from six five to six seven. I just, I just don't know how you get those three different type of answers. But anyways, so the first question I ask you, Hal, based off the three people that were gone before I drafted. Is, would you have taken Jalen Green in my spot, or would there have been someone else you would have taken? No, I absolutely would have gone with Green. That's, okay. that's definitely the right pick as far as I'm concerned. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Okay. So I, I, I nailed that. For someone who doesn't know much about the draft at all right now and don't know much about the prospects, I, I nailed that. I, I picked the right person. Uh, from what I understand so far, Hal, tell me if I'm wrong, uh, Jonathan Kaminga is, is more of a project type of player. Is that am I, am I right based off of that? Yeah, like we're talking like a like a Seku Dumbia project. Okay, that that's that's basically why I was under under the understanding of it. I I don't think Piston fans or anyone really wants to have another Seku project since they gave up on Seku sixty games into his career. So, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, I sorry, I had to throw a shot at all you guys. <laughs> <a second> there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, anyways, okay. So next, I guess we can talk about. I right, so Hal, tell me some of Jalen Green's strengths. What what are the things that make you most impressed with him? Um, just, just some of his strengths, some of the things that you're, you like about him. So, so he is like top of the charts, athletic, incredible first step gets above the rim. Um, he's strong for his like weight class, but he's got to put on weight to play at the NBA level, but just really, really like the first step is awesome. Uh, and he's very agile. Um, he's a good shooter shots, a little unconventional. There's some, some, weird form things to it, but he's got good efficiency. Uh, he shoots really well on like step backs and off movement. Um, not yet like the, the kind of catch and shoot guy who comes around screens, uh, but anything off the dribble, he looks great on um, decent enough free throw percentage. So he, uh, let me check the stats here. So uh, about 37% from three and 83% at the line. So like th- that's really good. Um, stats to project forward and uh he's an he, he's an okay passer he's not a great playmaker um he's not the guy who's going to get you eight assists a game or anything he looks like he could be a pretty good defender he was up and down in the g league but like he has the tools to be a very good uh defender especially when it comes to like defending point guards he's got all the the speed and, and athleticism he's still a little raw but, um, I mean, what you're getting is a guy that looks to be a 20-point scorer right away. 
Um, he's, he's the kind of guy I, I said, um, once before he might come in and like score 20 and then his sophomore season, he'll score 20 again, but it'll be on like better efficiency. And then he'll score 20 again the next season on even better efficiency. And I think that's really where you're going to see his growth improve uh, over the early part of his career will be in being more and more efficient rather than like increasing point totals. Okay. So this is, there's something else before we get to his weaknesses. Uh, there, there's something about that that you mentioned that I, I, I've been wondering myself, but I've, I'm obviously not some big, like, I'm not like a, a scout or anything. That's not like my specialty. I know some guys like yourself or other people, their specialty is being able to scout players and, and being able to look at prospects and, and all, all that kind of thing. That's not my specialty. But one thing I, I, that I've thought about myself is he skipped the college and went straight to the G League. And I believe, at least, like, you can correct me after I'm done if I'm, if I'm sounding like an idiot. But I would say that G League competition is much harder than college competition. Absolutely. And the fact it is, okay. So it, I, I'm, the thing that jumps off to me is the fact he skipped straight to G League. And in the G League, his first season, I, I looked at it earlier, he had a 61% true shooting percentage and on, like, 18 points a game. So – for me, like it, it, I understand, and the thing that like holds it back a little bit for me, for me being like, okay, that dude's like just looking at the basic stats, like, oh god, this guy's a monster, is the fact that I've seen Dewan Summers like when I was younger, like go down to the G League and look like a god, whatever, and not uh, plan out or pan out. So how do you? What is it about that? Like how do you go about being able to put those kind of things in the context? Because for, for me, like just ba- looking at it like off top and just like on the surface. It's like, okay, this 18-year-old just went straight from high school to G League instead of college. Like, college is not the same kind of competition as G League. G League's much tougher. There's guys fighting for jobs, et cetera, trying to fight up to the NBA. And in that G League, he puts up, like, in, like incredible efficiency. So, so like, based off of that, I'd be like, oh, God, this guy should, like, he would be – he sounds like he'd be really good at the NBA level. Like, it seems like he's one of those guaranteed picks. How how does someone like yourself and people who scout like put that into like uh into a better scope of how, how like being able to say okay the G League doesn't matter that much in in totality like how how do you find the balance there? So you have to like there are guys who are college player of the year who are like rotational G League players right the the skill level is certainly higher the thing that tends to hold the G League back is there's a lot of chaos guys get pulled up to the NBA and dropped back down. Um, there are roster moves all the time. Guys get signed overseas. Like the continuity and the the being part of a team thing is a lot harder in the G League. The G League also, um, from like a facilities standpoint, is like lower than college. Like these guys are staying in pretty mediocre hotels, uh, usually practicing in like a lot. Sometimes they're practicing in like high school gyms. You know, they're not getting lovely practice facilities. They're not in these gorgeous weight rooms. So while the level of competition is higher and certainly you're like working with professional coaches and working with other professionals, there's a certain level of like environmental stress that's also part of the G League, you know, and um, so it's it is it's like it's definitely harder. The guy like you're going to go up against a guy who knows how to defend you in a way that you're never going to see in college right positional defense in college is not good that said the g league is also a place where like they might just run a bunch of plays for jalen green and let him get 20 points a night because they're trying to run plays for jalen green 
Whereas college, like you're going to be part of an egalitarian offense, you know, your college coach is not going to play those games with you. He doesn't care, you know, about your point totals in the way the G League does. So there's, there's some noise to that. Um, I think, especially this year, like they did a bubble and it was a very quick bubble, quick tournament, uh, like within a month, everything was over. And so that's a very different thing to a college season, again, where you're going to get a lot more coaching over a long period of time. So it's it's just you just have to to understand the context of everything. Every player is going to be different. Um, you know, it's it's the same as when you watch college and you watch somebody at uh, Kentucky, like Coach Calipari, may be really good at getting guys into the league, but a lot of people who watch college basketball would tell you he is not good at getting the best out of his players while they're at Kentucky. And I call it the Calipari coefficient. Any player from Kentucky, I just like assume they're like 30 or 40% better than they actually showed at Kentucky because he just holds people back that much. You just think of like Carl Anthony Towns. So that kind of context is true anywhere. Um, I don't think you should hold the G League against a player just as you shouldn't hold playing overseas against a player, but it's going to come with its own set of challenges, right? They'll, uh, you know, an overseas player might have language issues, you know, language barrier uh, they might have visa issues, family's not here, etc. G League's going to come with its own set of wrinkles that we don't really know yet because obviously this is the first year we've seen the G League ignite. So we're not entirely sure if, if something crazy translates, but it, this is designed to get kids into the NBA smoothly. That's the whole point of this program. So we hope it translates as well as possible. All right, so when we come back, we're going to talk even more about Jalen Green. Um, but before we get into that, let me tell you about tell you guys about your favorite sponsor, Built Bar. The best tasting, tasting protein bar on the planet Earth comes with a variety of flavors, including six new flavors in caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. All flavors are covered in incredible tasting chocolate and are soft and easy on the teeth to chew. These bars are low in calorie and sugar, but high in protein and fiber. A flavor I'd suggest is the peanut butter flavor, which I had another one of you guys send me a screenshot of you guys getting. So that's two of you guys now. That's pretty cool. Uh, it's packed with 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. So go try a Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LACT15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LACT15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. So anyways, how we were just talking about Jalen Green. Let's get back to it. Um, we were leaving it off at how do you look at someone from G League who's doing really well in G League and how do you accurately put that in the scope of things of whether he'll be good at the NBA level or not get too ahead of yourself and also not get too down on a prospect, etc. cetera. Uh, Hal just shared some pretty insightful things, uh, definitely about the environmental stuff as well uh, that I hadn't thought about yet. But just real quickly, this is something that I was wondering about, how. Um, what's your, don't make this a longer answer. Cause there's other things we want to get to Jalen green. So, but like how, one thing that like confuses me is how does a player in your opinion, how does a player dominate like down there in the G league, like shooting wise, like someone can shoot really good from three in the G league and then come up to the NBA and just struggle shooting wise. Like I can understand like not being able like for like Stanley Johnson, for example, he can go down there and maybe bully people because he's just stronger than some of the guys down there. He's not going to be stronger than guys up top or in the NBA. So I get that kind of thing. But how can someone go down there, be a really good three-point shooter, be a really good free throw shooter, and then all of a sudden get to the NBA and that just like dissipates? Like how does that work? 
I think there's a couple things here. One is your G League sample size is a lot smaller than your NBA. So for someone like Seku, we saw him shoot a lot better in the G League than the NBA. It might have just been a hot streak in a relatively small sample. The other thing, um, you are going against worse competition, right? The, there are very good defenders in the G League, but uh, not as there's not as many, right? The And the number of good defenders on a roster is probably smaller than a normal NBA team. Guys just aren't going to close out as well, et cetera. I think the biggest one, though, is um, from an X and O perspective, from a scouting report perspective, uh, G League teams are not going to spend as much time focused on matchups. Uh, they're not going to spend as much time focused on, like, that is the shooter, close out to the shooter, that kind of thing. So it's it's a combination it's also just nerves and crowd noise right if you're not used to playing in front of a 20,000 person crowd in the NBA stepping onto that floor is a different game than stepping on to a, a high school gym for a G League uh, game fair, fair enough so we'll move on past that now let's get into Jalen Green's weaknesses so Hal just spoke a little bit about his strengths beforehand well what's some of the weaknesses some of the things that if there's any, it, well, first, tell me if there's any, like, cause for concern. Like, every player has its weaknesses, but does he have one of those weaknesses where it's like, this could be something that holds him back from ever being a good player? And then also, then after that, talk about if he even has that. Uh, then also go on to talk about some of the other things that he really struggles at that he, he'll need to improve at. So, I think the cause for concern maybe is, like, he's not a great defender yet. Um, again, he has all the tools, but... If, he, if it turns out that he doesn't learn how to play good defense, he might just be like a J.R. Smith type. And, you know, like, I think he's always going to be able to score. He's just got great tools for that. But he, it might be that he's, you know, Jordan Clarkson getting you buckets off the bench, and it takes him eight, nine years to even get to a point where you can put him on a playoff team because he needs that long to get ready. Um, I still think he can learn to, to play defense, but it's not there yet. Um, the other thing is I don't think he's a brilliant passer. That's probably the biggest thing that like lowers kind of his ceiling for me. Um, certainly he can make basic reads and simple reads, but you know, is he going to learn how to manipulate defenses in the pick and roll, how to, you know, slow the game, change uh, speeds and create like corner threes for shooters. That's something he hasn't shown at all. Um, and it's not something you necessarily expect from a kid his age, but the, the guys who are like preternaturally good at shooting or at passing, excuse me, um, those guys tend to show that, you know, the, the elite point guard prospects at his age show that. So those are probably the two biggest areas of growth. Um, and then it's just like physically, can he put on a little more weight? Uh, that would be the other thing is he is a, still a very skinny guy, uh, still pretty lightweight. So can he add another 10, 15 pounds, stay healthy, obviously, um, and just get a little more used to banging around the rim with NBA guys. Cause that's going to be, you know, that's a, a challenge for every prospect coming into the league. All right. So, so one thing that I've, like, I, like I said, I'm not a big draft guy, but I have done some reading on some of these guys. And one thing that made me think, I believe that based off just like the, the, I guess like the best way you could say it, it's an ignorant take, I guess, because I'm not like the most knowledge person on it, but from the basic reading I've done is that I feel like that he would be a good fit next to Killian Hayes and everybody. Cause Killian Hayes, like the things that you're saying that he struggles with, it sounds like all those things are things that Killian really excels at, and he's obviously a great passer. And I think like something that the Pistons are lacking among that young core, like maybe they get it from somewhere else. Maybe like obviously they may not get Jalen Green, but if they do get Jalen Green right now, they're lacking from their young core of Sadiq Bay, Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, Saban Lee, 
um, whoever else they are, Josh Jackson, um, Hamadou Diallo as of right now. They like someone who can really, like, score the ball efficiently, someone who knows how to do more than just go to the rim and and throw something up, basically. Uh, I I would assume that probably you would either say Sadiq Bey or, like, Josh Jackson or someone. It's probably, like, their best. Outside of Jeremy Grant, I'm talking about the younger guys, so – I'm assuming that you'd say one of those two guys are like the best scorer, I guess, but both of them, like Josh can't shoot for nothing and Sadiq Bey just really can't score at the rim at all either. So it's like, I feel like that getting a pure scorer right next to him sounds like a good fit. What what do you think about that? Do you think that uh, Jalen Green would be a good fit next to these guys and specifically Killian Hayes in the backcourt? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think it's a good fit. It's a position the Pistons are probably the lightest in is, is shooting guard. Like they have wings and they have point guard shooting guard is probably like the, the area they're a little light in. Um, it, he's kind of like, what if Josh Jackson could shoot, you know, like that's kind of what you're looking at. So in that regard, yeah, I think it's a good fit. We've seen what happens when Josh Jackson gets rolling. That's the kind of thing you're hoping you get out of a Jalen green as a prospect. Um, you know, I like Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley better. Than, than Jalen Green, and I think that they've got higher ceilings. But at the same time, if the Pistons, uh, especially if they drop to four and you land Jalen Green, that's still a huge win as far as I'm concerned for this draft, for the tank process, etc. Like that's still, you got to come away from this season feeling really happy that all the losing landed you with a prospect like Jalen Green. So you're, you're really high on Jalen Green? It's really hard to be a guy that, like, pretty much universally everyone has faith that he's going to walk in and score. And that's just not the case for most prospects. He's he's an elite talent. Fair enough. That sounds definitely like someone that if the Pistons were to land with, someone we'd just be overall happy with. Um, I think that also if the Pistons, if he is what you, everyone has, what I've been reading, what you're saying he is, is someone who can just come straight in and score the ball. Uh, I think it also would do great for fan interest as well. Someone you can hype a guy. So, like, one of the problems I believe the Pistons had, or some some of the problems I believe they have with the casual fan base, uh, not this this year, but years in the past, is, like, one, Andre Drummond, like, he wasn't, like, someone who's going to go out there and score, like, like beautifully. And I've had multiple people say to me that, like, who wants to watch a guy just rebound the ball and put it back? So, like, it, it was tough, like, them to watch, I suppose. And then also, I found it tough to say to like people who aren't diehard Piston fans, like reasons to be excited about Killian Hayes or reasons to like want to watch him because he had his struggles this year and his struggles were, I would say like the things he struggled at are the things that people like casual fans want to see and like want to watch. So it's like, I feel like that even, even though I feel like some of the fans came back this year simply because the Pistons decided to tank, uh, they definitely, I feel like even the casual fans didn't have much to like, us right here, we can talk about like, oh, Killian Hayes is passing or his ability to make quick reads and skip past the corners and like all that orchestrating offense, that stuff. Like that's something we're going to like to watch. I think if the Pistons were to get someone like Jalen Green who can just come in apparently and just be a, like lights out scorer and just come in and just even on bad efficiency, even if he was doing it on bad efficiency, I still think that like if you got Colin Sexton, like let's just say like a Colin Sexton type his rookie season. I think that draws more fans to watch a team, someone who's just going to be able to score the ball and you get to have fun watching. I do think that the Pistons somewhat need that uh, as well in their fan base. I, I just feel like they've lost a lot of their fans over the last 12 years, and I, I feel like just a scorer like that could do that. 
whether it's the best thing for team building, um, obviously it sounds like he's elite prospect anyways, but I, I, from a pure fan standpoint, I think that would do a lot with the casual fan base and help it make it easier for them to watch. But when we come back, uh, we can talk a little bit. There's something else I want to ask Hal about with Jalen Green. Then we can get into the Kool-Aid segment. Um, and then also we can hit a little bit, like I said, about the whether he believes Piston fans should move on or uh, whether he gets it with the fans holding on to past draft failures. We won't spend too much time on that because this is actually running a little bit longer than I thought. But when we come back, we'll hit on all those things. But first off, let me tell you about another one of our sponsors, Benaline AG. Betting is now legal in Michigan. And if you're anything like me, you want to take advantage of that instantly. However, there was one problem I constantly ran into. There's just so many different apps to bet through. Which betting app is the best to use? Which one is the best for me? That's why I found BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL season might be over, but the NBA and MLB are still in full swing. If you want to take your adventures beyond sports, however, BetOnline has you covered there too. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, things I didn't even know you could bet on. BetOnline has real updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. BetOnline is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to BetOnline now to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And then let me tell you about another one of our sponsors, Rock Auto. You ever need a part for your car? Head to the store, go through a ton of confusing questioning, just for one of the workers to tell you that they don't have the part that you're looking for? I know I have. That's why you should avoid all these problems and rock with another one of our sponsors, rockauto.com. Find whatever part you're looking for on your computer or in your hand on your phone by using rockauto.com. Don't worry about having to create an account or making a membership. Just head over to rockauto.com and start shopping. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest and most reliable prices. Head over to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. So, Hal, I don't know if you have like a great car or anything, but if you're struggling with some parts, make sure you hit up that rockauto.com. We'll I don't do. know if you, I don't know if you got that from the other seven times I said rockauto.com. But if you need parts, make sure you hit rockauto.com. You want to say that one more time? Rockauto.com. There you go. <laughs> but oh god, man, them live reads, man, something vicious. But anyways, anyways, uh. So there is a question I want to ask you another one about Jalen Green, but I believe, hold on, I believe this is one of the questions from someone submitted for a Kool-Aid segment. So I, I guess I could just ask you that instead. So let me find that real quick. Yes, it's right here. All right, so Motor City Hoops, who I had on the podcast last week, I believe, uh, he asked a question, which actually, hold on. While you answer this question, you can take a minute to you can you can take a minute to you gotta warm this up the soundboard. Yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> I, have to, I have to get the soundboard. I have to get the soundboard. So all how all you have to do is just give me the thumbs up and, and at the end of your explanation, and I'll get the the oh yeah going. So hold on, let me go ahead and get that going. He says Jalen Green would be the better pick for the Pistons rather than Evan Mobley. So uh Hal, go ahead and uh, answer what you think. Do you think that he would be a better pick? Then Evan Mobley explained why, and then at the very end, you can say you are drinking the Kool-Aid or not drinking the Kool-Aid, and we can get the soundboard going. So uh, I do not think he's a better pick than Evan Mobley. Um, Mobley is is like a generally, generationally elite defensive talent, um, better than basically anyone I've seen in the draft in my time paying attention to this stuff. 
Uh, he blocks shots, but he can also move his feet around the perimeter. Despite being a seven footer, he moves like a wing. Uh, extremely fluid athlete, uh, and he's also a really good passer as a center. Uh, looks like he'll he should be able to step out and shoot threes uh, pretty early in his career. Good post scorer. Uh, most drafts, Evan Mobley is your number one pick. That's just how good Cade Cunningham is that he's he's taking that spot. But Evan Mobley is an elite, elite, elite talent uh, on both ends of the floor. So no, I can't drink that Kuwait. All right. Well, you know, I, I don't know much about the draft, so I can't say whether or not I drink the Kool-Aid, but I guess I got to put the, I was really hoping how would say yes, because I have it ready. <laughs> I, I, I have it ready, but can't. I wish can't people use... could have seen your face just start falling the whole time. <laughs> he was so ready. He was so excited. <laughs> but, you know, can't, can't get it going in this one. So I guess we'll, we'll keep it going and go to the next one. This one is from Just Ask. The Axis. That's a that's an interesting name. Uh, he says, if the Pistons end up outside the fourth pick and Minnesota is in the top four, the Pistons should make a real effort to trade for that pick, even if Jeremy Grant is the price. How? Give me the thumbs up or thumbs down. Are you drinking the Kool-Aid on that? How high in the top four? That's the mm, question. Let's go ahead and say... Mm, let's, let's let's meet halfway. We'll do. I won't say four, but we'll say three. Let's say you got the third overall pick. Are you drinking the Kool Aid? Yes or no? No. Damn it. Two, right. two, I would consider, but but three, no. All right. Why not? Uh, I think one and two, Caden and Mobley are that good a prospect. Where like, if you could give Jeremy Grant like a one additional first rounder, like that's probably worth it. Uh, at three, Jalen Green, I just don't think is that guaranteed and it's just like giving like uh jeremy grant alone is not going to cut it i don't think um uh, so that's that's hard if you think you can do it for just the just jeremy for the pick you could think about it but you also uh the whole like player loyalty thing and everything has to come into it as well uh you know troy weaver is building this team pretty heavily based on his reputation as like being one of the good guys and being a player's GM and, and his relationships. So putting that at risk in any way is, is uh, not ideal. All right. So I'm going to assume this question means that the Pistons would be giving up Jimmy Grant and their pick to move into the top four. Um, and that, see, this is the thing, Hal, I, I'm struggling with this one because th- this is the thing. If you're telling me that I went through this entire season of losing, I sat here and tortured myself watching this team, and we did not end up with the top four pick, I probably would be very, I don't want to say the words, but I'm, I'm not going to be in good spirits. So I, I just, I, it's like one of those things that like, I really need the Pistons to, end, <laughs> to come away this season with the top four pick. Well, and I'll, I'll add, I was interpreting it as like, as Jeremy Grant and probably like a pick down the road. Because if you're trading Jeremy Grant and, like, the worst we can get is number six. So if you're trading Jeremy Grant and number six to move up, like, two spots, that's a massive price to pay for someone. Fair like, enough. Unless, unless some big name falls to you, that's a wild price. That's, right, that's so like, you better be getting Luka Doncic. Fair <laughs> enough. That part right there just, just convinced me. I, 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 had, I wasn't thinking about the fact that we can only fall to six. I was just thinking with emotion. So I think I'd have to agree with that as well and say – I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid on that. So 
All right, next one. Let's go ahead and scroll up, find the next one here. Um, this one is, wait, is this one Kool-Aid or is this one? Nope, this one's not Kool-Aid. This is something else. I got so many, so many of you guys tweet me so many different things. I just want to make sure I get everything. Okay, this one right here. All right, I think this one we might actually get the Kool-Aid. I'm getting it ready. I have the phone ready. This one says, this one's from Nick Bashara. He says, George Blaha should be inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Hal, are you drinking the Kool-Aid on that, yes or no? Yeah, there you go. Hal said, Hal said he's drinking it on that one. Hal, why are you drinking the Kool-Aid? Anyone who says anything else, that's that would be ridiculous for him not to be in there. <laughs> yeah. He's been the I voice also... of three championships, and like the Pistons, he's been with the Pistons for like thirty years. More, I, I also agree. I agree with Hal. Definitely drinking the Kool-Aid on that one. Actually, you know what? Since we both drink it, hold on. Let's go. Yeah. Who comes? Yep, yep. There you go. Both two, two of them right there. Uh, I will ask you a separate question, Hal, about George Blaha. Do you think it's time for him to move on, though? Do you think he can keep going, or do you think it's time for the Pistons to start looking at different areas or different people? Uh, it's probably time for him to take a break. Certainly, like I think having like Johnny Kane step in for a few more games uh, over the course of the season wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they want to kind of ease him out gently. I would hate for the team to, like, be really good in two to three years. Like if he gets to like watch Jalen green do highlight plays next year, I think we're going to see a lot more energy out of Blaha than we saw this year, but it's, it's coming close to that time, regardless of what's happening. So fair enough. So we'll do this next one. This one is from Derek Brooks. He says, uh, although the Western conference is by far the stronger conference one through eight, the three best teams in the playoffs this season are all in the East. Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Philadelphia 76ers. How are you drinking the Kool-Aid on that, yes or no? Yes. Yeah! <laughs> that right there. I'm telling you guys this right now. It's so much more fun to do it when you got a host. Because, because <laughs> it's just like, I'm sitting here waiting at the microphone. I'm ready to get, be given the go-ahead. <laughs> it's so much more fun. Uh, all right, Hal, who do you think – why do you believe that? And who do you think challenges those three? Uh, I think the biggest reason is because looking around the, the the West, like the injuries just add so many questions to those teams. Is LeBron going to be healthy? You know, do the Lakers have enough chemistry? Is Chris Paul's shoulder going to be okay? Uh, you know, we lost Jamal Murray. Uh, so what do the Nuggets look like when they don't have that guy? Just a lot more questions over there. And then obviously – the Nets like finally don't have any more questions, right? They finally have all three guys playing at the same time. Uh, you know, Milwaukee is like getting playoff through holiday and looks awesome. You know, I think we just have so many more answers in the East than we do in the West right now. All right. Fair enough. I also am drinking. I, I think I'm, I'm going to hold out a little bit actually from drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, I, I don't, I think Brooklyn, is I, I said this on the last podcast. I think Brooklyn could realistically. How probably dis, I think Hal would disagree with me saying this, but I think I think Brooklyn could realistically, like if they really wanted to and just tried. I I feel like they could just steamroll to the finals and just and just win the finals easily if they like decide not to take any games off or anything. But I don't think that's the case. Uh, Philadelphia, I, I think they are legit this year. But once again, I, I just don't think there will be a match for Brooklyn uh, and Milwaukee who I think actually poses the biggest threat to the Nets. I don't think anyone will stop Giannis on that team. Uh, I think Milwaukee is, is in consideration for that. But the one team I would say 
that I think would challenge uh, those guys are I, part of me. Actually, you know what? See, I, I see before the playoffs, I would say the Clippers, but the Clippers are trolling too much, and it's looking like they may even get bounced down the first round. So I can't say the Clippers. And then the Lakers are also hurt, and uh, maybe like some someone like past me may have even said the Phoenix Suns, like if Chris Paul wasn't dead. But Chris Paul is now operating with one arm, and it's just like, uh, you know, I think I think how convinced me because now I'm looking at all these Western teams. Each Western team I look at is dealing with some kind of injury, and then the the Utah Jazz. I just as much as I want to believe in their their underdog story, despite being the first uh, first uh, seed, I, I just can't do it yet. I, I can't believe in them. So you know what? Hold on, hold on, Hal. We gotta get it going again. Two cops. So we got, yep, there you go. We got to get a second one going right there. So I'm going to go ahead and drink the Kool-Aid right there with that one. So I think that right there is the last of them. I didn't get very many this week. I think that has to do with the fact that I didn't let you guys know because I was out uh, Wednesday due to this vaccine shot, which, like I said, I didn't get the worst of the effects. Like, I, I've seen people get a lot worse effects than I got. So it is what it is. I still like was really tired, like I told you guys, but I didn't get as worse as I thought I'd get. So I guess that's uh, pretty good. Um, but Hal, before we move, before I ask you this final question about past Pistons draft blunders, is there any like story in the NBA, any narrative in the NBA, anything you've seen in the NBA that you want to throw out as a Kool Aid question? Yes or no? No. Right. Put me on the spot, man. Oof. Yeah, man. I had to put you on the spot, man. I, I had to. You, I, every, I tell the every... button one more time. Just hit the button one more time. Nobody. <laughs> yeah, that, that basically this, is why. My, my question is, does Koo want to hit the button? <laughs> yeah. Wait, hold on. No, I turned it down. My fault. You couldn't even hear it. I turned it down. Actually. Hold on. Let me play it again. There you go. There you yes, go. I, did yeah. want, I did want it. I wanted to hit it one more time. So, <laughs> But... But anyways, I so I guess we'll move past that. Uh, next week, I'll try. I'll get that out to you guys uh, way earlier. But you know, like I said, I, I had I had the vaccine. And it had to be super tired, so I I completely forgot about telling you guys on like Wednesday. But anyways, I right, so Hal earlier in this week I talked about why I believe my stance on the whole Piston fans and how they feel about past uh, draft blunders and still bringing it up. My whole take was I completely get it. I I've been a fan of this team as well over the past 12 years. Uh, it's definitely, it sucks to know that the team has passed up so many players over and over and over. And I get that it's incredibly annoying. And it, it, like I said, it sucks. However, I also would like to say that I, I never will be one of those people who tell fans how to fan. And one of those, one, one of those people who say, uh, basically I won't tell a fan to shut up unless like you guys are like, Unless it like it warrants it, unless you guys are like getting out of pocket with something like, like taking it taking it beyond basketball, I suppose. Then I will say shut up. But if it's you guys just choosing how to fan, you guys want to hold on to something. I won't be one of those people. But I do believe that's probably time now to be at peace with what happened over the past twelve years and move on. Because the point I made was that like those are from all different regimes, and you literally see no trace of those regimes now. Like, like, there's no trace of them at all. You shouldn't even be thinking about those regimes because Tory Reaver has legit, like, got rid of every possible trace you can find with anyone. 
Like, I think the last one that you could find was Blake Griffin. He was the last trace, I believe, to Blake, uh, SVG. And he, he obviously is not here no more. So I don't think there's any, like, even the second rounders. Then he restocked. I'm pretty sure he restocked a lot of the second rounders as well that SVG got rid of. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I, for me, it's just like there's no trace of these regimes anymore. So it's like it's not something we should be thinking about. It's not really something you should be talking about because, and to tag onto that, the team has a lot of young prospects that they didn't have a year ago or two years ago. So it's like, be more happy about what's going on now. Try to look to the future now that there finally seems to be like some sort of light at the end of the tunnel or something at least to hope for. Uh, don't live in the past. Try to be hopeful and, and come to peace with what's happened over the past 10 years. What's your take on that, Hal? Uh, so a couple things. First, I don't get how people are so mad about our draft picks, but also salty about Chris Middleton and Spencer Dinwiddie. Can't have it both ways. <laughs> we drafted okay. those guys. You want them back on this team, you have to acknowledge that we drafted those guys. Just saying. Uh, Stan Van Gundy's tenure was rough. Uh, you and I are both Stanley Johnson fans, but he clearly didn't work out. Maybe that was due to development as much as bad drafting. I don't, I don't buy the Devin Booker over Stanley Johnson thing. I don't think that was nearly the narrative at the time people claim it was. Uh, I was the guy that told everyone about Donovan Mitchell in the first place. So I clearly wanted Donovan Mitchell, but my big thing about like the Donovan versus Luke, it's just like, it's okay to acknowledge that Donovan is the better player. And that maybe that was a draft miss. You can't say Luke is bad because of that. Like he's still a good player, a good pick who was doing really well in Detroit when he was here. So like, you can still be happy for Luke. Uh, we don't need to to curse him with Donovan Mitchell's name every time he's brought up. It's not fair to him. It's just it's. I mean, the the last thing I'll say is uh, this year in the draft we got like four people or four players that are all really good. You know, like Saban Lee is a second rounder who looks like he's going to be an NBA player. I I'm still big on Killian Hayes. I know some people are still in the wait and see mode, but like. Uh, you got two guys who are going to be on all rookie teams in uh, Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bey. J- just those four guys alone is a good draft haul for a GM's like three-year tenure. Uh, you know, that's a, the draft is a crapshoot. That's most d- people do not get good drafts. You, you look at someone like the Warriors; <laughs> they have like multiple really good drafts in a row. And they get the the Draymond and Steph and Clay and all that, and then they're terrible for a long stretch and half their players don't really work out and aren't really that good. It just it go, comes and goes in cycles to have someone that's, you know, uh, to get a GM that's really, really good at it for an extended period of time is extremely rare. The Pistons just went out and got the guy in Troy Weaver who has, like, a 20-year history of drafting in the NBA and being part of that process. So you should just kind of be excited about maybe being better positioned than we ever have for drafting and also like joe dumars was not a terrible drafter either like we we've had good picks in the past so you know focusing on like the worst period in our history just to kind of focus on it is you know short-sighted like you don't have to do that to yourself (laughs) you we, we can move forward you don't have to do it to yourself at this point you're the only person you know making that happen so i'll say about the stanley johnson draft i do believe at the time i remember the person that everyone wanted was Justice Winslow. I don't remember ever hearing exactly. Devin Booker. 
So, well, obviously Devin Booker is the pick that we would have wanted now, looking back on it. The person I remember everyone saying they wanted was Justice Winslow. So I don't know, like, I'm not going to sit here and call all of you guys liars, but hey, at that time, I didn't, I, I'm serious. I don't, I didn't hear anyone say anything about Devin Booker. All I was seeing was Justice Winslow when he fell. So there's that. And then also, secondly, I, I once again, I want to reiterate that last part Hal said, it's really like, just don't do it to yourself. Like why, like why do it when there's like actual good things to like look forward to now? There's actually good things to be happy about with the draft specifically. Like how I said, getting four picks right, it seems like, or at least three picks. I know a lot, like he said, a lot of you guys didn't wait and see with Killian. But even three picks, if you just want to say that, three picks right in one single draft, that's really good as well. Like that's spectacular. So it's just like, be happy with what's going on now. Don't keep like making yourself suffer over bad picks from what, eight years ago, seven years ago, six years ago, five years ago. Like just get over it. I'm so I don't want to make it like I don't I don't want to be too mean about it, but I mean, hey, I, I, like I said, I get why you guys are frustrated. I get why it's like annoying to see like anytime, but like for me at least, like when I see Devin Booker go off or Donovan Mitchell go off, like I, I'm not thinking about man, I wish he was in the Pistons. I'm I'm thinking, damn, that guy's a really good player. I like watching him. Like I, that's not the first thing that comes to my mind. So I, I I just think that it's time for everyone to come to peace with what the past is and just enjoy these players for what they are. Besides. Just outside of just looking at it as, damn, the Pistons missed out on now that my team sucks and that's why they suck or all that stuff. So that's just where I stand on it. Uh, but like I said, I do get why some fans, it is tough because it, it happened many times over the past 12 years. I, I, I understand why. Like I went, Hal, I don't know if you, you listened, but I went through all the Pistons draft selections the last 12 years. It's not pretty. It's not, it's not, it's not pretty at all. I've done those exercises. I don't like stretching like that. It's not good. <laughs> like I went into the topic. I was like, okay, I know what I'm going to say, but let me go ahead and just bring up the backup to say what I'm going to say. And then I started going through it on the podcast and I was like, God, it, it really is that bad, but it is what it is. But thank you, Hal, for coming on here. Um, I, I Actually, there'll be one last quick question I'll ask you. Um, this is something I've, I've heard some people say and some people scoff at just real quick answer because we're already running long. Um, obviously I've heard that Kate Cunningham is a clear cut. Number one. He's just like, he's like the clear cut top overall pick. He's going to be number one. But do you think any of these other guys with him being that number one, do you, cause I've seen a few people say this. Do you agree with the take that he may be the number one and best, the, what is it? The most likely person to hit his ceiling but there are other players in the draft that could hit the same ceiling. Like in any draft, any particular player, you'd say like, I'll take the field, right? If you were like betting, I'll take the field to eventually be better than that player. Right. Quite often it's the guy taken 16th that like turns into a superstar. It happens. Uh, That said, Cade Cunningham has like the highest floor by far of any of these players. And it's really hard to outpace six, eight can shoot 40% from three and pass at a really, really high level. You know, we're talking about, you have to be like better than Luka Doncic as a prospect to, to be better than what Kate is. So it's, it's a hard task. Fair enough. Uh, we will have Hal on here again, whenever, 
we do the next mock draft and we'll see where the Pistons land there. I'm going to get I, – Hal's going to be like my go-to draft guy and the go-to person I go to when – how many times did I say go-to just now? That's like rockout.com. But, <laughs> but, 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 Is Rockout paying you again? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're getting extra for this. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm saying it. <laughs> yep, there you go. There you go. They need to get me as the spokesperson. Just put me on the face of it. Uh, but we will have Hal back on here next time we do the mock draft. Knocked on does the next lottery simulator, and we will have him multiple times too as well to just talk about different prospects as well. But thank you, Hal, for coming on here. I always had a lot of fun with you, man. Anytime. Uh, he is wearing a bun and cardigan shirt. I don't know if I should allow that. This is like a shout out. To that the is moment. like th- this is like a rival podcast. Like I have nothing against them. No, 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 no. Like, no, no. There are, like, how many days in the week? Seven? And there's 24 hours a day. You get, like, half an hour of every day. There's a whole lot of time for us to enjoy everybody, okay? There you go. Fair enough. Especially Fair when enough. you listen to podcasts at, like, 1.8 speed like I do. Even more time. <laughs> Fair enough. Even though, I don't know, man. I, I feel like that's kind of like... I feel like that's kind of like a Clippers fan showing up to a Lakers party with a Clippers uh, Clippers jersey on, man. I just, just don't know, dog. But I'm I'm just messing with you, uh, <laughs> even though I'm I, actually no I won't say it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> thank, you, thank, thank you thank you for joining the podcast, Hal. I'll see you guys in the next podcast out on Monday. I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast, and I'll see you guys then. Peace out, everybody. <laughs>